You're tuned into the Tokyo Living Podcast, where we help you live a healthy and enjoyable life in one of the most amazing cities in the world. On this episode of the Injury Edition, Sam discusses the different types of headaches people may suffer and how physiotherapy can help the management. Tokyo Living is proudly brought to you by Club 360, changing lives through health and fitness. Hello everyone, welcome back to the Tokyo Living Podcast Injury Edition. Today we're going to be discussing headaches. Now headaches generally not something that we would consider uh, or classify as an injury and uh, it's probably a lot of people that don't recognise the uh, contribution of the musculoskeletal system in different headache types. So we're going to be discussing today the different headache types and um, the degree to which uh, physical interventions such as manual therapy and exercise um, can be effective in, in the management of headaches. Now, I think this is a relevant topic as you know, some of the other things that we talk about um, are things that you know, people might not experience. You know, hopefully, uh, most of us don't go through an ACL reconstruction. You know, a lot of people won't experience tendinopathy, but I think most people uh, will experience a headache of some degree of frequency or intensity at some, some stage in their life. And there's probably many of you that, that uh, do have frequent headaches. Uh, and so I think it is, is, is relevant to a lot of people. Now, um, as I said before, we do have uh, different types of, of headaches. Now, this is my, maybe something that uh, intuitively not a, peop- a lot of people think about. Um, we might think about you know, different areas of the head where we might have headaches um, or different intensities, um, but not, might not think of them as having uh, different causes or being a different sort of clinical entity. Now, whilst we do have distinct uh, headache types with quite specific diagnostic criteria, it's thought that up to 50% of headaches uh, are not pure uh, strains of headache, that they're actually a combination of different types of headache. We have what we call primary headache and secondary headache. So a primary headache uh, is basically a headache that originates in the head. So it's, uh, it's related to the, the, the neurological and hormonal activity that's actually occurring in the brain. Whereas a secondary headache is uh, referred from some other uh, uh, source. Um, and uh, the, the most relevant um, secondary headache that we're going to be talking about today is a cervicogenic headache. So a headache that uh, is, is primarily influenced by, by the neck. So the main headache forms that we're going to be talking about today are, like I said, cervicogenic headache, uh, tension headache, and migraines. However, there are quite a number of other headaches that uh, one might experience. Um, We have cluster headaches, which is a less common form of headache. Um, And this is is something that's generally felt around the area of the eye. Uh, It's quite intense, but it's quite a a small sort of area of of pain uh, that, that one would experience. Um, these are often associated with uh, you know, reaction to um, different smells and um, uh, different pollens and it's thought to be related to uh, the release of histamine. Um, these can often come on for uh, you know, minutes at a time uh, and so in relatively short duration but one can experience uh, multiple episodes of these short duration cluster headaches for uh, weeks and, and up to months. Uh, similarly, we can have sinus headaches. So a sinus headache um, is generally uh, bilateral, so on both sides, whereas a cluster headache is, is more unilateral. Um, and a sinus headache, uh, as you would expect, um, is, is sort of located closer to the eye sockets um, and is usually associated with um, other um, symptoms of, of sinusitis, so congestion and symptoms like that. 
Um, we can have exertion headache. Um, this is again a relatively rare form of headache, but it is actually something that I've experienced myself. So it's something that will come on with uh, exertion, activity, exercise. Um, in my case, it came on when I was performing um, a heavy leg press. I believe it was probably 15, 16 years ago. I had an acute onset of a headache. And, uh, and then I experienced that headache. It was a very low level headache at rest, but it would spike to a, a relatively strong intensity with activity. And so this is what um, people experience, that, uh, that it stays at a low level, but when they exercise to a certain intensity or can even come on with sexual intercourse, um, they start to get this headache come on uh, a, lot, a lot stronger. Um, Luckily for me, I did respond to pharmacological management for, um, uh, for this exercise um, or exertion headache. Um, and there are different uh, medications that you can use for this headache and, uh, and it, it, a little bit of trial and error involved. Um, we also have um, uh, alcohol-induced headache. Now, um, you know, if you're experiencing one of these, um, that you know, this, this podcast is about helping people, and uh, you know, you might not get a little bit of, you might, might not get as much sympathy uh, if that's the case. But uh, I mean, all jokes aside, if this is something that you experience on, you know, any degree with any degree of frequency, then uh, it's you know, obviously something that um, you need to look at from a lifestyle management perspective, and might even require uh, on a referral. Um, and, but that's you know, perhaps something uh, for, for another episode. We can also have medication-induced headache, and uh, this is an interesting one where it gets into a little bit of a vicious cycle where we use headache for, we use medication for whatever form of headache we have, whether it is a tension headache or a cervicogenic headache, um, or uh, indeed a migraine, and then we, if the headache frequency starts to increase, we increase the frequency with which we use that medication. And that in turn can actually induce further headache. So it's thought that if we use medication for headache more than half the days of a month, so more than 14 or 15 days of a month, then this can actually then become the primary driver of the headache. So if this sounds like something that you're dealing with, if you use a headache medication quite frequently, um, and you do find that you are getting more frequent headaches as a result of it, and if you're using medication more than half the days of the month, then it's probably worth discussing this with your doctor and um, try, if possible, trying to look at other uh, alternative treatments and looking towards weaning off that medication. Um, we can also have uh, hypnic headaches, uh, again, a fairly rare uh, form of headache that generally affects people in their sort of the last, latter half of, of their life, generally from about 50 years onwards. Um, but this sort of headache only uh, appears at night. Um, we can also have uh, headaches that are related to more sinister pathologies. So we always want to rule out red flags. Um, headaches can be the result of a tumour, that can be a result of an aneurysm. Um, I know when I had my exertional headache, I was uh, sent for investigations for uh, cerebral hemorrhage because that is a different differential diagnosis for an exertional headache. So if you, you have had a headache that has come on um, uh, acutely after a bout of activity, it, it is you know, important to get um, uh, you know, imaging to rule out any sinister pathology. Um, and, and that sort of goes for yeah, everything that we deal with in musculoskeletal medicine, but it's probably even more prudent with uh, in the case of a headache. Club 360 is Tokyo's premier health, fitness and rehabilitation centre, offering physiotherapy, osteopathy, personal training, group fitness classes, boxing, sports massage, pilates and nutrition consultations. 
with two full-time locations in Moto Azubu and Higashi Azubu, as well as satellite physiotherapy practices in Shibukoen and Yokohama, Pub360 boasts a team of high-level practitioners from all over the world, ready to take care of your injury and fitness needs and guide you on a path towards a healthier and happier life. Come visit us at pub360.jp or follow us at pub 360 Rupongi on Facebook and Instagram. Now back to the show. So before we go on to discuss the three types of headaches uh, that uh, we're going to spend a little bit more time on, um, I want to talk about uh, a little bit of anatomy related to the head. And uh, as always, I'm probably going to do a terrible job of uh, simplifying this, but uh, a key element of our anatomy related to headaches is what we call the trigeminal cervical nucleus. Now, this is uh, an area of um, the, the brainstem. So it's a, the up, lower part of the brainstem that comes down to um, the, the approximately C3 level of the spine. So I think most people understand that we have different vertebrae in our, our spine. And the top three vertebrae of the, or vertebrae of the, the neck, um, we have this, this part of the brainstem. And it's basically a, a hub of neural activity where we have inputs from the trigeminal nerve, which is the largest branch or the largest of our cranial nerves uh, originating in the brain. And this sends a lot of sensory information from all over the head, the face, the jaw, the eyes, um, and it comes down and as it enters the trigeminal cervical nucleus, we also have sensory input from the top few levels of our neck. So from, C, uh, from, from the, um, the cranium down to uh, C3, we have information coming from joints, from muscles around the neck, and it all converges in this, uh, this hub of neural activity. So when we have increased sensitivity in those nerves, so that might be local increased sensitivity from the brain, or it might be local increased sensitivity from uh, structures in the neck, it all converges in this hub and, uh, and can lead to the, um, the, the production of pain and the other symptoms that are associated with the, the headaches. And so, we can have what we, we generally term as a, a bottom-up or a top-down um, initiation of a headache. So uh, a top-down would be uh, something like a migraine or a tension-type headache where it's actually originating in the brain. Uh, it's coming down uh, and because of that, the, the trigeminal cervical nucleus is becoming sensitized and we can get secondary neck pain uh, associated with that or a top-up. Uh, onset of headache would be where we have some tension in the neck, we might have some restricted range of motion, maybe even some inflammation, some increased tension in the muscles around the neck. That increases the sensitivity in those local nerve fibres that then go into the trigeminal cervical nucleus and then cause um, the, the headache um, through the connection with the trigeminal nerve. So we know that around 18% of all headaches are cervicogenic headaches, are primary cervicogenic headaches where the main cause of the headache is coming from the neck. Uh, around 70% of all headaches are associated with neck pain. So in some cases, we have uh, the neck actually causing the headache. In others, the, the neck pain is more thought to be a result of, of the headache. And so in, uh, in the cases where it's a primary, uh, primary neck issue, then obviously treating the neck should result in um, a, a positive outcome in reducing one's headache pain. If the primary source of the headache is originating in the brain and the neck pain is secondary to uh, the headache, then addressing the neck pain or addressing uh, neck dysfunction uh, is not necessarily going to uh, impact the head in the same way. 
However, um, Australian physiotherapist who's a specialist in, in headaches, Dean Watson, looks at it a little bit differently in terms of, uh, instead of isolating the headaches to specific forms and focusing only on uh, neck treatment for cervicogenic headaches, he thinks of it more as um, a headache coming on when you have uh, sufficient sensitivity in the trigeminal cervical nucleus. So you might have uh, inputs from the neck that are coming in from, I guess, if you're looking at the so trigeminal cervical nucleus being the spine, you know, the, headache, the, the, the neck inputs are coming in from the side and then the head inputs are coming in from the top. And it's almost like if you think about having a glass of water, you have inputs, uh, you have a certain amount of water coming from the brain, a certain amount coming from the neck, and once the water overflows through that glass, then you start to experience pain. So you might have you know, a certain amount of neck uh, tension or stress that's there the whole time, but then you have your um, head-driven symptoms that cause that you know, trigeminal cervical nucleus to overflow and have the symptoms of a head. So when we look at the specific headache types and the, um, the diagnostic, diagnostic criteria for each, uh, with migraine, it's usually something that comes on relatively early on in one's life. So the average onset, uh, age of onset for a migraine is 18. And unfortunately, once someone experiences uh, migraines, um, they're usually uh, experiencing them for the, the entirety of their life. Um, it affects uh, females more than males at um, a ratio of about 1.7 to, to 1. Um, it's probably 50% unilateral, so half uh, of migraines will occur uh, on, only on one side of uh, the head and will usually cause pain and other symptoms not only in the head but all through the face as well. They're often associated with other symptoms and the main symptoms are nausea and sensitivity to uh, light and sound. So we call these uh, photophobia and phonophobia. Um, they usually have a, a throbbing quality. Um, and for most people, uh, these headaches are brought on by specific tri triggers. But the trigger can be very different um, for, for each individual person. So it might be changes in hormones, it might be changes in stress, it might be certain physical activity that brings it on, uh, it might be certain smells, certain foods. I mean, foods is, is a big one. Um, and, uh, and, and most people will have their foods that they've experienced um, as a trigger for their migraines. And, and, and most people have sort of learned to avoid those foods over time. Um, and also medications. So people will have a reaction to certain medications that bring on their migraine. In terms of the cause of the migraine, uh, again, we talked about migraine being one of the primary forms of headache. So it's associated with um, you know, changes in the neural activity of the trigeminal nerve and often associated with changes in hormone um, and, and different chemicals in the body. So especially serotonin uh, is, is uh, one specific um, yeah, chemical that's been shown to be upregulated in migraine sufferers. And then people generally experience these symptoms in stages. Um, so the first stage is what we call prodrome, where people have um, almost at the onset of, of a, a migraine, they know that that migraine is coming. Um, they start to feel some of those pre-symptoms. Uh, that then develops into what we call aura, where we start to have some of that phonophobia, photophobia, um, the nausea. That then develops into the third, third stage, which is where we have the actual pain associated with the headache. Um, and then after that, we have what we call postrome, where people feel um, that they're just not right, the element of fatigue, um, and just that, that inability to function normally. 
We can also um, further uh, divide migraines into episodic and, and chronic migraines. Uh, and uh, this is sort of based on the International Headache Society. Uh, an episodic migraine is uh, five or less migraines uh, uh, per month, whereas a chronic migraine is uh, 15 or more headaches, but eight of those being uh, migraines. So someone who suffers chronic migraines might not be suffering a migraine every time they have a headache, but the majority, more than half of their headaches that they suffer um, will be migraines. Then we go into attention type headaches. Uh, and attention type headaches are also primary headache types, so they're originating in the brain. And they're thought to have um, perhaps a, a similar sort of uh, mechanism of onset where you have uh, a hormonal and uh, a neurological upregulation um, of the uh, trigeminal nerve, and, and that leads to pain. Now, these generally aren't associated with uh, nausea. You don't get the, the aura that you have with, um, uh, with migraines but occasionally uh, photophobia and phonophobia may be associated with attention headache. Um, the area of the headache is, is generally uh, bilateral, so people will experience this on both sides, um, and it's more sort of in, in around uh, the temple area, um, and it has more of a, a pulsating quality rather than a throbbing quality, and tends to be not as severe as a migraine in terms of the intensity of the pain that one would experience. These headaches might last from several minutes up to an entire day. Um, they also tend to be more um, common in females <clears throat> and, um, and, and tend to be more common in younger people, generally sort of you know, 20 to, to 40. Um, stress tends to be a, a large driver of these headaches. Um, so when someone is under um, psychological stress, both from an acute perspective, so if someone um, is having a stressful time, they're more likely to experience um, the, the onset of a headache at that time, but also chronic stress. So someone that has uh, high levels of ongoing stress in their lives, are more likely to develop uh, tension type headaches. And also other these detrimental elements of lifestyle, poor sleep, smoking, uh, excessive alcohol use, all these things are thought to contribute to uh, the onset of a tension headache. Alana Jade is a friendly bilingual salon located in Azubujuban, Tokyo, where they provide a private and relaxing haven where guests come to escape the hustle and bustle of city life. Ilana Jade's wide range of deluxe beauty treatments of facials, nails, waxing, massage and eyelashes will have you looking your best from head to toe. Receive 20% off your first treatment by mentioning Tokyo Living Podcast when booking. And then we have our cervicogenic headache. So this is a secondary type of headache um, that is driven primarily by issues in the neck. Now this actually tends to be more common in males. Um, the average age of onset of a cervicogenic headache is a little bit older, so around 33. Um, these are generally unilateral, so you, most of the time when someone's experiencing a cervicogenic headache, it will be just on one side of their head, and it tends to be more towards the back. Um, so we have it almost sort of around the top of the neck on one side, up into the skull, and it may sort of come around into that, uh, that temple area. It will often be aggravated by certain neck positions. So people might find that if they're using a computer and their, their head is in that sort of forward jutted position, um, that might be putting uh, stress on uh, that part of the neck and therefore um, uh, contributing to the headache. Uh, and also positions where we're in a degree of rotation where one side of the neck is a little bit more um, com compressed than the other uh, may also lead um, to an aggravation in the headache. Because these type of headaches are originating in the neck, as a physiotherapist, obviously when we have someone presenting with a headache, we want to assess the neck. 
Now we do know that even in migraine and tension type headaches, there will be some decrease in neck range of motion. The decrease in neck range of motion with a, a cervicogenic headache is uh, likely to be greater. However, range of motion alone isn't sufficient for diagnosis of a cervicogenic headache. However, if we use a cluster of tests where we combine range of motion with a control of the head and neck area, we look at the coordination and the endurance of the muscles and palpation. So we're pushing on uh, those areas in the upper part of the neck. And a lot of the times we can reproduce the headache. So um, when we push on one side uh, compared to the other, I mean, this, this area of the neck is quite sensitive. And if we push hard enough, even on a, um, an asymptomatic neck, we can often reproduce some pain in the head, but generally it will be much stronger on the side where someone has their headache. Now, when we talk about uh, treatment for headaches, um, there are certain uh, parts of the treatment that um, are relevant for all types of headaches. I discussed earlier um, you know, medication management. So there may be um, the need to discuss someone's medication with them and their doctor. And if they are on uh, headache medication that is starting to, to build and actually become a primary cause of the headache, then that needs to be addressed. Um, stress management, so if um, uh, headaches are triggered by stress, then um, we need to look at strategies of managing stress and that might involve a consultation with a mental health practitioner as well. Um, identification of triggers, um, if we're talking about migraines, um, then you know, someone needs to be aware of their triggers and try to control them. Obviously, if their uh, triggers are, uh, are dietary, then they need to learn to you know, avoid the foods that trigger their headaches. Um, if it's uh, other triggers that they're aware of, then just trying to adjust their lifestyle where possible. However, there are differing opinions on this, and this sort of goes back to, uh, in a way, the, the, the concept of load. And uh, again, if you haven't um, listened or watched uh, the episode that we did on load, this sort of underpins how we manage you know, every condition that we manage in, in a physiotherapy environment. Um, but there is the argument that we almost need to develop tolerance uh, to these triggers, uh, like we would develop tolerance to a physical load, um, you know, allowing our muscles and tendons and bones to become stronger and more tolerant to the loads that we put them under. Um, there is the argument that the, the same thing should be done for triggers. So one might um, have their headache or even their migraine spike with a certain amount of uh, a certain food. And so if we know that amount, we can just gradually build up um, our, our tolerance by eating slightly less than that amount and then slightly start to edge towards uh, an amount of that food that, that, that might um, trigger it. But as we're doing that, we're hopefully lifting the ceiling on the amount of that food that we can uh, consume um, before our headache is triggered. And we can apply that sort of um, uh, trigger tolerance to whatever the trigger is that we're experiencing. Uh, with attention type headaches, same thing, if we notice uh, different triggers, um, if it's something other than stress, then we can, uh, you know, in some ways avoid it uh, initially, but then look at um, a strategy for trying to uh, increase our tolerance. General exercise is recommended for, uh, for most types of headaches. Now, if someone is experiencing a headache uh, at that actual time, it may be difficult to exercise. It might be that the exercise itself causes an increase in their headache. Um, but where possible, during the, um, the time in between bouts of headache, trying to increase the amount of exercise along with other um, elements of a healthy lifestyle is likely to decrease the, the frequency and hopefully you know, also the intensity of, of headaches that, that one might experience. 
When it comes to cervicogenic headache, um, some of the specific management strategies, um, sleep, uh, now sleep, we obviously need to address uh, with the other types as well. So getting a good night's sleep will help decrease the likelihood of attention type headache or a migraine occurring. But with cervicogenic headache, we're probably looking um, not only the quality and quantity of sleep, but also the position. So we know that you know, some neck issues are aggravated by a sleeping position. And so we may have to adjust uh, the position that we're sleeping in and also maybe the number of pillows. So we're in either as, as neutral a neck position as possible, or if we know that certain positions, let's say if uh, a side bending of the head towards one side starts to reproduce the, uh, the headache, then maybe using enough pillows so that we're slightly tilted away from that side to decrease that, that compression occurring. Do you suffer lower back pain while sitting in the office or during long haul travel? The lumber jacket may be just the solution you're looking for. This revolutionary product features a built-in inflatable and height adjustable lower back support concealed within a fashionable and comfortable garment. Perfect for work and travel. Visit lumberjacket.com for more details or simply search Lumber Jacket on Amazon. Manual therapy and exercise, I guess, is what um, most people think of when, when yeah, they think of uh, physiotherapy, and obviously those are two of our key tools that we use. Um, and manual therapy has actually been shown to be effective not only for cervicogenic headaches, um, but for other headache types. And I think this goes back to that concept, that Dean Watson concept that uh, I talked about before, that uh, yeah, even though something might be a primary migraine headache, um, it might be tipped over the edge by sensitivity of the neck. And so by doing some manual therapy uh, and some exercise around the neck, we can decrease the sensitivity of the neck-related structures, and that can decrease the overall sensitivity of the trigeminal cervical nucleus uh, and, and therefore um, decrease the pain. Um, with a cervicogenic headache, however, um, any sort of exercise uh, or uh, manual therapy intervention that decreases whatever it is in the neck that's causing the problem, if it's a lack of range of motion, if it's excessive muscle tension or tone, um, then that is likely to improve the headache. Now with manual therapy, um, we've, we've talked and written about manual therapy in the past, and for some manual therapy techniques, it's thought that um, they're relatively non-specific and it doesn't really matter what you're doing or where you're doing it. Um, it it's the, yeah, the interaction with the, the patient or the client that's actually driving the, the, the changes and the benefits that are occurring as a result of that manual therapy. With the cervical spine, uh, and I talked about this in the neck episode, um, again, I'm keep pointing over here. I, I'm, I'm hoping that uh, the links I'm putting to previous episodes are appearing here. If you're watching on YouTube, uh, if you're watching on Instagram or somewhere else, then I'm just pointing in the air and it means nothing. Um, but uh, we talked about um, the upper cervical spine being a little bit more um, uh, sensitive to uh, manual therapy interventions. I think because when you look at the joints up in the area, they're very small, they're very finite. I think we can actually have a more specific impact um, on that area of the body compared to other areas of the body. And through personal experience, I know that we can make um, specific changes to one's uh, range of motion. Uh, with manual therapy techniques, and that usually results in a decrease in their headaches. And we know from research that uh, manual therapy in the upper cervical spine can lead to not only temporary changes in um, headache um, frequency and intensity, but also you know, ongoing long-term changes. So this is one area where I am quite confident that manual therapy is a really valuable part of um, exercise intervention.
sorry, a, a physiotherapy intervention. Exercise, um, we talked about general exercise being important, but specific exercise for the neck is important as well. We can use exercise to try and decrease uh, local sensitivity, but if we have uh, control and coordination uh, issues in the neck that are driving the problem, then we can use specific exercise to address those coordination issues, and by doing so, hopefully decrease the, the stress on the neck. And then you know, anything else that might be impacting the neck, we, again, we talked about it in our neck episode how uh, when we have someone who's experiencing neck pain, we want to assess different systems in the body. We want to assess the jaw, we want to assess the eyes and the ocular motor and vestibular system. We want to see someone's balance because all of these uh, can be uh, influencing someone's neck pain. So if, if other, symptoms, uh, other systems of the body aren't um, coping with load, then the neck can often be that area that uh, tries to take up that extra, uh, extra uh, stress and, and becomes uh, yeah, hypertonic, hypertonic and, and painful as a result. So if someone does have a, a, a headache that we um, believe is pri primarily cervicogenic, then we need to uh, unpack that and, and perform a, 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 an entire cervicospine assessment. So I hope that has been of interest for some people. Um, if you are a headache sufferer, um, particularly if you have got headache associated with neck pain, um, or even if you are a migraine sufferer and haven't tried uh, physiotherapy or um, other physical therapies in the past to try and manage your headache, then it might be worth a go. If it is primarily a migraine or a tension type, then it, we may not be able to make any change, but uh, in our experience, there's a good chance that we can, um, you know, at least decrease the frequency and the intensity of those headaches. And definitely if you've got a, um, a headache that is related to, to neck pain and it's, um, it, it matches uh, what we described as a typical symptoms of a cervicogenic headache, then it's definitely worth um, looking into uh, some more physical management for, for the problem. Um, and obviously you know, physiotherapy doesn't uh, generally have the risks uh, associated with um, pharmacological use, of, uh, particularly long-term pharmacological use. So, as always, um, thank you again for watching, and if you have topics that you would like us to speak on, um, please let us know, uh, otherwise we'll look forward to seeing you in the next episode. Thanks for watching, thanks for listening. Thank you for listening to the Tokyo Living Podcast. If you enjoy the content, we'd love for you to rate, review, and subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you'd like to enjoy your podcast. We look forward to seeing you again on the next episode. Have a healthy and active week.